You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles out this morning and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as we continue in our series, Legacy. Your legacy is the sum of what you do today. The sum of what you do today is your legacy tomorrow. Uh, create a legacy. We have a legacy, as we've seen in the bumper, by repetition, by faithfulness, by consistency. It's interesting, uh, this week, as you've watched in the sports world, um, the uh, death and burial of Muhammad Ali, called the Great One. Here, I thought Jesus was the Great One, but um, called the Great One. And then on Friday, Gordy Howe, uh, Mr. Hockey passed away. So you hear lots of talk about legacy and, and what did they leave behind and, and what difference did their lives make. And, and the reality, much of what we hear about them will pass away. It will be around for a month or two months and some people will know about it for a while, but um, their legacy won't live on. Um, not like the kind of legacy that we're talking about in this series. We're talking about a legacy of our lives in Jesus Christ. And and so the question is, what's the legacy that we are leaving behind? What do people talk about when you're not in the workplace? About you, that's your legacy. What do they talk about in your home? What do your neighbors talk about? What? That's your legacy. A legacy is being built today. And uh, today we want to talk about a legacy of example the legacy of being an example. It's found in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. But uh, just to kind of remind us, we started out in this series by getting the foundation right. Our legacy starts by having a right view of God, uh, learning to fear God. The first thing that people should see in us in our legacy is a fear of God from Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And if you get that right, if you get your view of God right, the sense of who he is and the claim he has on your life, and then you get your view of yourself right, the rest of it tends to fall into place. But you get it wrong and then you get it all wrong. And so we understand that the foundation of our legacy is always a foundation built out of the fear of God. But that legacy builds out in some things in our life. And so far we've seen uh, the legacy of prayer, the legacy of the word, and the legacy of faith, a legacy of family we talked about last week, and this week, the legacy of example. It's the I want to be like you kind of legacy. I want to be like you. If you have kids, it's really kind of a cool day when when your daughter comes up and says to mom, I want to be like you. Or your son comes up to you as a dad and says, dad, I want to be like you. Because there's some things that are going on that they can attach to, and then I got, that's what I want. That's what I want to be like. And so we want to talk about example and how important it is as we think of the legacy that we're leaving behind. We get it from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, so let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word, and I'm going to read uh, verses 1 to 10, the whole chapter. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, 
Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And with full conviction, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word that we hold in our hands. Thank you for Paul and the way that he penned it for us. And Now, Lord, the opportunity to explore it and see what uh, you were teaching him and what you were teaching them. Lord, as we think about a legacy of being an example, I pray, God, that you would uh, work through your spirit in us today. Lord, if uh, someone here needs to be corrected today, Lord, you would correct them. If they need to come under conviction today, Lord, that you would bring them under conviction. If there's restoration that's needed today, God, that you would do a work of restoration. If there's a comforting that needs today, Lord, would you give comfort? Father, I pray that you would take your word and you would do in each person's heart the thing that fills your will and brings you glory. So God, give us ears to hear your word today. Not the thoughts of a man, but to hear your word today. Give us minds that we might be able to understand and understand the implications of your word. And then, God, would you give us passionate hearts to live out what we learned today, that we would leave an example, a model, an imprint of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in our families, but in our neighbors, our friends, to everyone we come in contact. God, do this work for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can take your seats. Well, the definition of an example is a person or a way of behaving that is seen as a model that should be followed. Someone or something that is mentioned to help explain what you're saying or to show that a general statement is true. Something or someone chosen from a group in order to show that the whole, what the whole group is like. It's, that's what it means to be an example. And today we want to take a look at this idea of leaving a legacy that would be an example for those who follow after us. Maybe the next generation, but maybe the person in your workplace, maybe the person in your home. And so think about your week last weekend. What kind of example was I of the Lord Jesus Christ? What kind of an example was I to the people who watched me in light of what I claim to be as a follower of Jesus Christ? So we're gonna look at a few things right out of the text today. Here's the first one. A legacy of a godly example is built on one foundation. A legacy of a godly example is built on one foundation. Now, Paul starts out in this letter. He says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. So so what's going on here? Well, after, um, after Paul separated from Barnabas, This guy, Silvanus, who's also known as Silas in the New Testament, he joins Paul. We've learned about Timothy a little bit in the last couple of weeks. And and so we have Timothy, who was influenced and impacted by his grandma and his mom. And uh, and then his faith came out of that. We talked about a legacy of faith. And talked about his sincere faith. That's Timothy. Uh, And this guy, 
Silas or Silvanus traveled with Paul. He ended up with Paul in prison. If you read Acts 16, you'll find his story of him being in prison with Paul uh, when the earthquake happens and the Philippian jailer and his family, they're, they're saved. These, these are the three guys who are together here, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy. And, and he's writing to this church that's in Thessalonica. It was a prosperous capital in the Macedonia area, in the province of Macedonia. And he goes there, and for three weeks, there's great ministry that goes on. And then they come up against it, and it becomes hard, and it becomes difficult, and and they have to flee from there. They got to run for their lives, as it were. And and they go up to Berea, and they're there for a few weeks, and the people from Thessalonica um, who were against him, they followed him up there and brought the same kind of pressure on him. We're going to see that a little bit later in the message, but that's just a bit of background to this. Here's the nugget I want you to see in verse 1. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God, in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. They were in God. If you want to leave a legacy, you want to leave a legacy that's an example, it's a legacy that is in God. And so a great question for all of us to ask today is, are we in God? It says, in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't to distinguish those two things, but rather for us to understand that in God and the Lord Jesus Christ was the same thing. That's the point he's making here. And so it's good for us to make sure that we got that piece taken care of, we got that piece right, that you are in God. Not just believing about God, wondering who he is or what he might have done, but understanding who God is and what he's done and what he's accomplished for us. The reality that we were separated from God in our sin, go back and read the first part of the book of Genesis, and we see the fall of man and the separation from God, and, and then the plan of God working all the way through, right through to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who would come and be the atonement, the sacrifice, the payment, the way to satisfy the wrath of God. It all happened through Jesus Christ coming, dying in my place on a cross so that I could have the offer of eternal life. I didn't earn it, the song we were learning today, I didn't deserve it, and yet God gave it to me. All I had to do was receive the gift. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's done, what he's accomplished, not in your works, not in your accomplishments, in God and what he's done, and you will be saved. You will be what? You will be in God, and you will be in Jesus Christ. Are you? Are you? If you're not, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift that comes from God. Believe on the Lord and be saved. Understanding I'm going on this way, thinking I got it all figured out. It's all going to work out okay. And you come up against this. I'm going to stand before God one day. You notice at the very end of the chapter, he says, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath of God. We're all going to stand before God one day and we're going to give an account. And if you are not in God, you're going to be delivered over to the wrath of God and be separated from God in hell for eternity. But those who are in God have great confidence and great hope. Believe and be saved. The working of salvation is good for even followers of Jesus Christ to remember every day. When you roll out of bed, stop and remember what Jesus Christ did for you. 
Stop and remember his salvation. Stop and remember the hope that is ours because of what Christ has done, because we are in God. If we're going to have a legacy, a godly example, it's one that's built on one foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. One foundation. I look what the text says at the end of that verse. There's kind of neat things here. It says, uh, that's in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Now, I realize it's a greeting. I realize it's a greeting, but don't just let it, don't just throw it away. Understand what it meant. He says, grace to you, like getting what you do not deserve, unmerited favor, grace to you. And then he says the second part, and peace to you. The calm assurance of knowing that you are right with God. When you are in God, you've received his unmerited favor. And when you are in God, in Christ, you have the calm assurance of knowing you are right with God. In a world that's going sideways all over the place, we have the calm assurance to know that I'm right with God. And no matter what happens, I'm right with God. We should remember that all of the time. That should be a great focus, a great focus for us. But built on one foundation. Here's the second thing. A legacy of a godly example is fruitful, is fruitful. Look at verses two and three. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. First thing I want to see there is um, there's a fruitfulness that was happening in their lives. He, he lists three things. We're going to come back to it. The fruit that was produced from being in God. But notice about Paul and Silas and Timothy, what it says about them when they saw this. It says, we're mentioning you in our prayers. Mentioning you in our prayers. Believing firmly in the power of prayer is one of the pillars of our church. And Paul demonstrated this. I, um, I pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you in Philippians chapter 1. Paul was constantly crying out and praying for people. And he, he was praying for this church. He was praying for the Thessalonians. Not only him, it says it in the plural, that he along with Silvanus and along with Timothy, they were praying together for these dear folks who they loved He was motivated to pray for them. There were some things that he could not forget about them. And he remembered them with thankfulness. And that needs to be a spirit that we have. That needs to be a heart that we have uh, for one another in the church and others that we've had opportunity to influence. We, we need to be thankful. We need to be filled with gratitude. Hey, believe me, it's not because they were perfect. There were some per people in the church who really didn't like Paul very much. And in one of the chapters later on, we're obviously not getting there today, but Paul spends a time um, just addressing the whole area of slander and false accusation against him. And yet he remembered some things and he prayed for them. And not only that, they weren't a, a perfect church in that sense, but they also weren't morally impeccable. Uh, later on, he's going to talk about um, sexual impurity in the church. And yet he prayed for them. They doctrinally didn't have it all figured out. 
Uh, one of the reasons for this letter is because some of the people in the church thought the Lord Jesus Christ has come back and they missed it. And yet he didn't give up on them and he, he prayed for them. So uh, even though there wasn't a unity that he would have liked to have seen, and even though there were some moral things that were going on, immorality that was going on in the church, and even though their doctrine wasn't perfect, he prayed for them. He prayed for them. Why? Because he saw that God's Holy Spirit was working in their lives. He saw that God had changed them. He saw that God was working in them, and he identifies three things. He says, remembering before God our and Father, he says, your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You want a legacy to go for? In God? Go for those things. I'm going to be a person who's filled with work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope. In the Greek, there are basically two words that were used for work. One of those was a word that was kind of work that is pleasant or stimulating. Kind of like the person who loves to garden. I hate gardening. Gardening is not stimulating for me. Well, it stimulates me to a whole lot of bad anger. Stupid weeds, all the rest of it. I, I hate it. Hate's a strong word. I strongly detest it. <laughs> but some people actually love it. They're down on their hands and knees and they're in there and they're picking out the worms and all the stuff going on in there. Their garden is just wonderful and stimulating work for them. My idea of stimulating work when it comes to the garden is to go to the shop and buy three plants. And one goes on the porch, one goes on the steps, and one goes in the backyard. And when we don't water them and they die, we go and buy three more. Okay. That's my idea of gardening. It doesn't stimulate me. To me, it's painful. But that's one of the words for work. It's, it's something that you just really enjoy doing. What I do every day around the church. That's stimulating work for me. It's not easy work. People are struggling and hurting and all the rest. And I, I wouldn't trade what I do for anything. I love getting up. It's stimulating that's not the word that's being used here. The word that's being used here is a different word. It's a word that speaks of toil. It's strenuous. It's sweat producing. It's intense labor. It can be filled with trouble and toil. And that's the kind of passion they had. I'm sure many of them loved different aspects of what was going on, but it wasn't just some simple thing that they were doing. When he says to them, your work of faith your labor of love, your steadfastness, you're sticking with it because of hope. So he says you work hard because of your faith, not working for your faith. You don't work for your salvation, but you work because of your salvation. And because of their faith and because of the growth that they could see in other people, they worked hard because of their love their love, first of all, for God, and then their love for each other. They, they worked hard. They stuck with it. They didn't give up. And their steadfastness, even when it was difficult, they leaned in. Why? Because of the hope that they had in Jesus Christ. 
They were people who were leaving a legacy that was fruitful. A legacy that was fruitful. And when people look at you, do they see those kind of things? Do, do you have a legacy that is fruitful? Here's the next thing. Legacy of a godly example never forgets where you've come from. It never forgets where you have come from. There's a cause and effect thing that's going on here. The faith that saved them was now the faith that changed them. And, and so we see that in verses four to seven. Look what it says. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he chose you. How, how do they know he chose him? Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And so Paul talks about, you saw us, you watched us. Paul was seeking to disciple these people, but, but notice some of the things that he says about them. The gospel came to you not only in word, but in power and in the Holy Spirit. The gospel came in word. We live in a world that's filled with all kinds of communication, all kinds of opportunity. In. But the gospel came to them in the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It came in Jesus Christ. And it came with power. Why? Because the word of God is quick and powerful. You know, too many times in my life I've talked to people and I'm trying to convince them of something in their spiritual walk. And I'm not using the word. I'm using some good idea I think I have or persuasion or... Hey, the power is not in our persuasion. The power is in the word of God. And when we use the word of God, people will be saved. Do people need explanation? Do they need to understand? Yeah, of course they do. But the true power is in the word of God. And it's not until we get people to the word and understanding who Jesus is and what he has done and what he has accomplished will their need ever be full and filled. And that's what Paul is saying here. The gospel, it came to you in the word and it came in power and, and in the power of the word combined the Holy Spirit taking them, taking them from darkness to light, from being blind to be able to see, making them from death to life. That's what they had received and that's what they could never forget and that's what we can never forget. We can never forget what the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. That was the cause. It says at the end of that, with full conviction, some versions would say with much assurance, Paul preached the gospel boldly. He preached it boldly. Why? Because he believed that he knew it was true. And now that was for them to do, to have full assurance of what God has done. Believing who God is and what he has accomplished. Well, the effect, what did it do? Here's what it says. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. The gospel came to them and they were changed. They were changed. What does it do? What did they do? Well, the first thing it says is you became imitators of us. You became imitators of us. Wow and of the Lord. 
What a responsibility we have as followers of Jesus Christ. You know, people are watching you all the time. And whether it's your kids, or whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your... And what a great thing it is when they imitate us. You're like, hey, don't put that on me. I'm not putting it on you. God's word puts it on you. Uh, Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. He put it right out there. He goes, I'm going to seek to live in such a way that you can follow my example. Like, wasn't that a little bit arrogant? Well, not when you understand the whole context of what he said, because in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And that's why it's so critical for us to know the one who saved us and desire to be like the one who saved us so that when people see us, they see us as followers of Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3.17, he said, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep, your, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Keep your eyes, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Are you one of those people that when people see your example, you know, that, that's what a follower of Jesus Christ would look like? Not perfectly, growing, changing. See, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20 tells us that we are his ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God was making his appeal through us. God uses us as his ambassadors. We're called to be examples. You know, a few years ago, everybody was walking around with WWJD bracelets on, right? What would Jesus do? Great question, but it doesn't really go far enough. It's a great question, but you need to answer the question. And you need to do what Jesus would do. That's what we're being called to today. Not just to ask, well, what would Jesus do about this? No, no. Do what Jesus would do. The Thessalonians, they saw Paul, and they saw Silvanus, and they saw Timothy, and they said, we just need to be like these guys. We just need to do what they do. Why? Because they're being like Jesus. Anybody following you like that? Anybody asking you for the reason of the hope that is in you? We want to be leaving a legacy that is an example. Look what it says in the text. It says, um, it says for you receive the word in much affliction. You became imitators of us and the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean with much affliction? Well, it wasn't easy for them. We're going to read their story in just a moment in another part in the Bible and find out what it was like for them. But it wasn't easy for them. It says, "With you received the word, Jesus, you trusted Christ in the midst of much affliction. The word literally means that there was a great pressure. There was a squeezing. Almost so that you would burst. Um, I brought some grapes to church today. And since this is the last service, I only really need one. And you guys can pass them around until we run out. So, but they weren't washed, so be careful. Um, but here's that idea of that word. Great affliction. It was a word that we, you would use when you were making wine. It was the pressure that was taken to squeeze the grape until it would burst. 
Some of you in this room, when you trusted Christ, you had that kind of affliction. You might have been put out of your family or lose your job. Or, but most of us haven't. Most of us haven't lived that. And so our faith is kind of, we're not sure what it would really actually look like when you burst. We used to give our dog a grape and it would spit it out because it didn't taste like anything. I would just put it in my mouth. You know, it may affect the way I talk a little bit, but it doesn't really do much. It doesn't taste any good. But when I bite it, all the juice comes, all the juice comes out. And it's sweet. And people watched them. And they saw what was happening in their lives. And they trusted Christ in the midst of affliction. We live in North America. Most of us have never tasted of that affliction. And as a result of that, I think sometimes we have lost some of the power because we've never tasted. We've never been squished grapes. See, squished grapes are people who endure. Squished grapes are people who forgive. Squished grapes are people who love the unloving person. Squished grapes are people who identify with people in their need and sympathy and empathy. Squished grapes are people who have a passion for lost people. You receive the word in, in much affliction. Well, you said that this church came into this under much affliction. Can you prove that to me, Pastor? Well, thank you for asking. I can. Take your Bibles and flip over to Acts chapter 17. This is where you find the story of this church in the book of Acts. I'm going to start at verse 2 down to the end of 9, and uh, the part about Berea and everything comes right after that. But notice what it says. And Paul went in, as was his custom, on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them are persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, or Silvanus, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, wouldn't it be amazing if this was ever said of us? These men who have turned their world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying, there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they, they let them go. You receive the word in much affliction. And look at the next line and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. See, the hardship and the struggle and the pain, it brought joy. It gave them peace. 
It helped them to understand that they were doing exactly what God had called them to. They were exactly where God would have them to be. No different than Paul, not long before this, when he was in, in Acts chapter 16, when he was in prison in Philippi, when he is beaten, and he and Silas, what are they doing? They're singing hymns. Why? Because they had the joy of the Lord. Because they had an amazing hope to look forward to. They were squishy grapes. They were squishy grapes. Here's the next thing. A legacy of a godly example, it makes an impact. It makes an impact. Now look at verse 7. Uh, verse 7 in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Thessalonians responded to the gospel by becoming examples. They wanted everyone to see who they were in Jesus Christ. They wanted everyone to know what had been accomplished in their lives because they were in God. That word example, you became examples. It means to leave a mark, to make an impression. That's what it means. This past uh, Thursday, all of the staff, we went paintballing. I have some marks. There are some impressions that were made upon my body, which I will not show you. Some of the staff have anger management issues, and they took them out on me. Not really. We had a great day. But those paintballs, they hit you, and they sting. And later on, you're looking, and you're going, oh, my goodness. Man, that left a mark. That's the idea of this word example. You make a difference. You leave a mark. Now, the paintball mark will go away. I hope. In, in like six days, a week, that'll all be gone. We'll all be talking about the story for a while, but the mark will be gone. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about some kind of a mark that's there for a little while and then it's gone. It said you became examples. You left your mark as a follower of Jesus Christ. This church was leaving its mark. As a follower of Jesus Christ, these individuals were leaving their mark. They were making an impression. What they were doing mattered. And what you are doing matters. What kind of a mark are you leaving? Look what it says about them. So you became an example to the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now look what it says. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone, for, gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For not only has the word of the Lord, and then in the next sentence, your faith, sounded forth. They were talking about Jesus Christ. They were talking about their faith. And the word there says it sounded forth. It wasn't a whisper. That word's not about whispering. It's not about talking 
to your neighbor. It's not a, like, I, I hope maybe someday someone will know about Jesus. It was, it was the, the trumpets blasting. It's the cymbals bashing. It's the yelling kind of. It sounded forth. They were bold and confident in the message that they had. And that was the legacy that they were leaving. Your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, Paul says, so that we do not need to say anything. So Paul's now traveling around, and, and he goes, well, you know, the Thessalonians. I go, no, no, we heard about the Thessalonians. Those people love the Lord. Those people are working for God. Those people are making a difference. Those people are making their mark. I love this little quote I got this week. You Thessalonian Christians are sounding forth the word of God so effectively, you're putting me out of business. That's kind of what Paul's saying here. Everywhere I go, I try and tell the story about you, and it's like, they've already heard the story. Who's heard your story? Where have you left your mark? What difference is your faith making? What kind of fruit of a work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope do you have? They had a message to spread and they spread it. And now look at verse 10. Well, actually back to verse 9. It says, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath of God. See, they, the word sounded forth. The change in their life by their faith sounded forth. They'd put away the idols, the things that they used to be tied to, the things that used to influence, the things that used to pull and push them in all kinds of directions. Says, you, you put that stuff away. You got rid of that stuff because God is now on the throne. And we've talked about the kind of idols we have. I'm not going to go there today, but you know what they are in your life. You know what, what pushes God aside. You know what ends up on the throne. You turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And it says, and to wait, and to wait for his son. And to wait for his son. This would have been a great encouragement to those who were in the church that thought Jesus Christ had already come back and they had missed it. They hadn't but they were all caught up in that. He goes, no, 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 no. Turn from idols and wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, the only one who could save us, the only one who did save us was the Savior who not only died, but proved he was who he said he was and did what he said he would do because he was raised from the dead. Jesus. Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see, we're saved from something. We're saved from the wrath to come. It's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. Philippians 2, every knee will bow. We sang it in the song. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And those who are in God will be saved to eternal life. And those who aren't will be delivered over to the wrath of God. That's why our example, that's why our model, that's why our message sounding forth is so critical in our day. Delivered from the wrath to come. I have been. 
And many of you in the room have been. But what difference is it making? What kind of a legacy are we leaving based on who Jesus Christ is and all that he's accomplished for us? Well, so what? Consider their testimony. People of God who heard the gospel, but in the midst of great pressure that would cause you to burst, they trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And from you sounded out the word. It sounded out the word and sounded out your faith so that all over the world people knew their story. Oh, that that would be my story and your story and the story of our church that we would be a legacy of a model and an example. Doing it by repetition repetition and faithfulness and consistency that we would have a godly legacy. God helping us to model, to teach, to live. Being bold in our conviction, bold in our hope so that people will ask us for the reason of the hope that is in us. In your legacy, in your example, are you leaving a mark? Are you making an impression? Is yours a legacy of a godly example? And if not, then why not? Get that dealt with before the Lord today so that we can live for his glory and for his fame. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the illustration of this church. Lord, they had some significant problems. Some of them were hung up and didn't even really like Paul. Others of them were caught up in immorality. Some of them had their doctrine wrong. But Lord, there was evidence of faith. There was evidence of growing up in Christ. There was evidence of change. And their work of faith and their labor of love and their steadfastness of hope. God, Paul could see the Holy Spirit working in them. God, I see the Holy Spirit working in our church. And Lord, we're called to be a people with a legacy. That in spite of the suffering they went through, they trusted you. They lived for you. And their story was known everywhere. They turned their world upside down. God, would that be our story? Would we be examples of the hope we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ? Do the work needed in my heart, in our hearts, for your glory and your fame. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.